I'm Andrew Haynes, and this is the Fair Game Podcast, the place where we talk about all things golf. In a perfect world, we'd all have time to play a four-hour round twice a week, hit the range, and work on our lag putting in the backyard. Unless you're Tiger Woods, that probably isn't the case. With that in mind, there's been a wave of emerging brands that leverage technology and other modern-day tools to create golf experiences that happen in our living rooms or in the middle of Manhattan. We have two of those brand founders on the podcast today, Jared Solomon from Five Iron Golf and Matthew Allard from Putterco. Let's do this. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks for being on. Just to give people a, a little bit of context on why we're doing this podcast. So we talk a lot about golf in general, because this is a golf podcast. Surprise, surprise. But we also, uh, there's a lot of discussion around brands, a lot of discussion around players, there's a lot of discussion around your traditional course experience. But I think both of you and your respective fields are doing some really cool things when you think of golf as an off course experience. It's so funny. I forget who said this, but uh, I heard someone say that we only have the opportunity to play a traditional round of golf if you're lucky, you know, once a week, uh, a couple of times a month, but you're thinking about golf uh, all the time. Um, and you guys are doing some, some really cool things when you're kind of like bringing different and fresh ways to play and experience golf in different levels. So I want to have you guys on the pod and talk about stuff. So, um, maybe we can start with, this is always one of my fun questions, just to learn a little bit about the backgrounds of each of you and how you got into the game. Cause it always is fun to see, uh, everyone's experience. Some people it's their parents, some people it's work. Uh, so maybe we start there and then we can unpack, um, just five iron and putter co a bit. So for me, I think I have an interesting story. I didn't really play golf, golf growing up at all. I played tennis and some other sports, played rugby in college, but didn't play golf at all. I moved to the city for law school and post, or sorry, I moved to the city for law school with my wife, Catherine. Post law school, my best job was to work on Wall Street, and she went to go clerk way upstate New York in Rochester, which the people listening is, you know, a plane ride away. So not we saw each other once a month during for, for two years. And I picked up golf on a simulator in the back of a men's clothing store with this guy, Mike Doyle, who's one of the co-founders of Five Iron. And I had played professional poker growing up. Um, I worked on Wall Street. I liked the idea of learning with data and video and all of the track man numbers and things like that really appealed to me from a learning perspective. And then from a entertainment perspective, I like to drink and eat and have fun. And Mike and I would go out and we thought, man, it'd be awesome. We could marry this great golf experience with the entertainment side. And then, you know, to this day, we really try to be the best place for the serious person that's trying to get better at golf, but also what we're maybe even more known for, which is being the you know, an entertainment destination for someone who considers themselves a golfer or, or someone who, who's just there for fun. It's so interesting. So you guys, so you met Mike at the back of a clothing store. Was it, do you remember what store it was? I'm just curious. Was it an, a, an established place or? Uh... I don't even know if I want to give them a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it was a niche sort of clothing brand and it was a, it was a men's, suit shop really so you would get the custom fitted suits you got the ties and the shoes and really sort of upscale place and the idea was they would put the sim in the back and the clients would come in and get this 
you know, kind of the experience that we're, we're trying to go for, although oh, very more, much more country club and stuffy and whatnot. Sure. And Mike just built up a cult following of people in the city taking lessons. And then when we were talking, he's like, you know, all my guys want a place to practice and they, they, they want to practice on a simulator now that they are learning from this data. And it, it was very much built out of that. But it was amazing. I mean, Mike, there were many times I would be taking a lesson from him and he was the only person working in the store and someone would come in and he'd have to go give someone advice on, you know, a tie or a business card for the, the suit fitter or things like that. So some humble origins for five iron in that early men's clothing store. I love that. It's cool. Um, I, I want to hear, we'll, we'll switch to Matt for a second, but I want to talk about <laughs> New York city golf is uh, insane. So Matt, where are you by the way? I'm in LA. So yours is probably just as difficult. I got to give props to Jared because the favorite thing when I go to New York to see is guys walking down like the Avenue of Americas with clubs, <laughs> just seeing guys in the city just with like full bag golf clothes on. It's awesome to see that. And it's just such a juxtaposition to what you're used to seeing in the city. So, uh, yeah, I, that's, I, I love that. Well, I appreciate that. That's why when we talk about access to golf, not to completely derail the conversation, but people think about, you know, underprivileged youth and adaptive golf in all these areas we care about but access to golf also means even if you're a member of a country club outside of the city just a place to play in the city a different way to to participate in the sport and you know if you're playing even if you're playing more in the winter or whatever and you're getting more excited about it or during the week or in the summer you're going to be better you're going to be more excited for your outdoor around it's gonna she's gonna make you more a consumer of the sport that notion of uh just accessibility it, it's so true and i'm sure there's a lot of this in la because you know, like I've been to, I used to go to LA, my job prior to this, uh, had a, we had an office in Santa Monica. So I was out there a, a fair amount, but just being able to fly out and either find an accessible public golf course or like find a range, there's, there's no way to go. There's Rancho, there's the place like Westchester by the airport and then like, and that's it. But then on the New York side, you know, there was not a lot of places to hit balls. Obviously, outside the city, there were a couple of places, but you got to deal with traffic and, and all that nonsense. And then there was always this like very weird, small underground, like, you know, place with the sim in the back. Or like, I remember there was uh, there was that older place uh, called Golf and Body that was here that like everyone heard about it. But it was one of those things where like it was the untouchable, like you're not going in there until you're spending thousands of dollars. And that's what indoor golf was for the longest in New York City. It was like this thing that we all kind of like knew about, but then it was always out of reach. So it's cool. It's cool to see that change. Well, I grew, I grew up caddying. Uh, I grew up in New Hampshire. Um, and so what a lot of people forget too, I mean, it's the same in like South Korea, right? Is like, you know, getting to a course. I mean, first of all, New Hampshire, you have like six months <laughs> that you actually can even right. play outside um, where your hands don't hurt if you hit it thin. Um, but uh, yeah, I grew up caddying. I was really a baseball, played mostly baseball. And then um, when I was like 14, my, you know, I was playing on like three baseball teams and my dad was like, you know, I was just caddying. I was just at the course all the time. And I, you know, I kind of played, but not really serious. And I remember my dad saying like, you know, golf, you have your whole life. You know, it's a sport that you can play your whole life. Like baseball, you know, after you maybe college, you know, if you're good enough to play in maybe club or in college and that's really it. I mean, I, you know, it wasn't the level of, of, uh, going pro. And so, uh, then I really just kind of fell in love with it when I was like 14, I quit baseball and just kind of concentrated on golf. 
I actually started the high school golf team at my high school, which didn't have one. Um, and then I ended up playing at GW, um, but, uh, was it was a computer science major. So D one golf and engineering degree didn't really mix. So I quit after the first semester. Um, and then ended up walking on my senior year once I was done all my core <laughs> classes. Um, so, you know, grew up with it. And then, you know, and then now I'm, you know, I, I did a tech startup last a mobile app company and, you know, I've been a golfer still, but I, I play like once or twice a month. Um, you know, like you said, LA golf is not exactly easy unless, you know, um, uh, depending where you live, but, um, but then I had a child <laughs> and, uh, you know, that really, take some time away from the game. Oh yeah. <laughs> but as I, but you know, what's funny is, you know, as I got him, I want to obviously get him in the game and he was two and, you know, you kind of, I took the tiger method or, or the, uh, Eldrick method, which is, you know, start at the hole and work backwards. So I bought one of those putting mats, you know, that I've owned probably 10 different putting mats over the years. And I got him on it and stuff and we play around. And, and I remember growing up as a kid, we'd have like a, we would just take a rug, like a carpet sample. And then like, literally I would just cut a hole with scissors and we'd chip and putt my basement, um, like under the ping pong table. Um, so I started doing that, but then he'd go to bed and I'd like be like, all right, now I'm going to actually like practice some putting. And I'd hit like three putts and be bored. Um, and so I was like, man, it's crazy how much, you know, putting to me, you know, and I'm around a scratch player still, but like, it's a, you know, nothing is more frustrating to me than getting on a par five and two and three jacking <laughs> or, or like stiffing it to five feet and, and not converting. Right. So I really kind of searched far and wide for like what there's gotta be more like gamified, you know, putting. Um, and, uh, you know, and that was something we learned at GW was like, you have to gamify your practice because one, it makes it like fun and interesting, but also it simulates pressure. Um, and so that, you know, when the shots don't count, like on the range or on a putting green, you know, unless you're game playing for money or playing some kind of game, it just doesn't simulate the pressure. And so that's really kind of what birthed the idea, so to speak. Plus it was COVID. Um, I was right. using my Peloton every day. Um, and you know, whenever my sister or like, I follow Rory, he's on Peloton. And mm -hmm. every time he does a ride, I get like a push notification, and I'm just like immediately on the bike trying to kick his ass. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's kind of that idea. You know, what, what I've kind of done with putter is basically what like Peloton did for the stationary bike, you know, like there's been stationary bikes forever. They haven't evolved just like putting mats. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's kind of what, uh, kind of bird the, the concept and started the company. Interesting. It's so true. This idea of gamification because I, I think you guys are attacking it from from different perspectives like i would assume and maybe this is just me sorry golfers on this pod listen to the podcast if you if you disagree but i would rather go to a five iron and play beth pay like wherever like i'm gonna go play pj national or, or go play st andrews and like play that round and i have a tendency to sometimes treat those rounds as practice rounds than go to a traditional range and hit a bucket of balls because it is that point of like you get kind of bored really fast and like, you know, so, sometimes you do it, but sometimes, but for the most part, you, it does get to this, like, it starts to feel like work and less fun, but there's so much power in that idea of when you, when you gamify those little things, i.e. there's a little bit on the line here, you're competing against your friends. Uh, I think those little things have a lot of power because yeah, I'm the same way. I get on the Peloton bike and like, I'm in a class and it doesn't even matter if I'm like, 
first, I have to pass people. And just that little like mind game, it's it's really powerful. Like, how do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, people talk about growing the game all the time, which probably gives people, you know, they're exhausted from hearing the term. And really growing <laughs> the game is a result of a bunch of things that happens before that. Mm-hmm. The way we talk about it, which is, you know, a, a metric to measure is just the more golf balls hit, right? The more gamified the activity is, the more fun it's going to be. I mean, you most of us play golf to be entertained and not for money. Uh, whether it's be entertained because you want to become a plus three or you or have no idea what a handicap is, you're there for entertainment. And the truth is that I think everything from a product like Top Tracer to Putter to you know, hopefully what we're doing with five iron and some of things we're working on is mm-hmm. can you get the casual person to hit more golf balls? And that might be through zombies and, you know, games that have nothing to do with what you would think of as traditional golf. You're playing hitting a golf ball on Mars because you're doing different gravity or to getting the serious person to hit more golf balls because the metrics on there are awesome or they're playing familiar golf courses that they've always wanted to play. But at the end of the day, I think what the end result of growing the game is, really means it's getting more people and different types of people to hit more golf balls and things like gamification a hundred percent accomplish that i think the the thing that the miss which I, I i think most of the golf industry coming is coming around on and certainly mad i'm sure agrees it's it's not about either the serious golfer or the non-serious golfer or whatever it's like it's more fun for everyone like you were saying andrew it's, it's more fun for both segments of people and, and just capturing more golfers and creating more golfers for sure. Wait a second. Is this is there a Mars mode at Five Iron, or why have I not played this? Well, one day, one day. See, you wouldn't <laughs> play if we had it, but uh, we're we're working. <laughs> I was gonna say, is that a game? Because that sounds really fun. <laughs> How far does your drive go on different planets? It's- yeah, yeah, but yeah. But you're right. Like little things like that are just. That's an interesting way to think about it. Is that this constant? And I know the phrase is exhausted to death, but this idea of if we're getting people to hit more golf balls, that in itself is the the growing the game benefit. That is the end result. And however you're hitting a golf ball doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's that's a cool way to think about it. Um, so Matt, I'd love to talk about just tech a little bit because there's a lot of tech in your in your putting mat. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of tech in, in in the five iron experience as well. But going into creating that box, uh, which is pretty cool, especially as a New Yorker, and space is a luxury. So having things that are highly functional that work well in small spaces is, is very cool, at least to me. Um, what was the tech process behind, behind making that, making that box? Oh man. Um, well, you know, originally I kind of took one of those Amazon putting mats and like retrofitted the holes with sensors in them just so I could determine makes and misses. So I could hit like 20 putts and then say, okay, like, I'm hitting, you know, 85% from seven feet. Um, but, uh, like that was okay, but it, you know, then how do you really track misses? And so long story short, I ended up going like super ambitious with it. And, um, it, within the box is actually a, a camera doing computer vision at about 80 frames a second. And it's, it's a putt tracer. Um, so we can, with the computer vision now we can actually measure, um, the speed of the putt, as well as the entry angle to the hole, but you know, you know, it's 360 degrees around a hole. Um, and so obviously what you care about is the front 180 degrees, but as you dial it in, you know, we can actually 
um, you know, obviously measure it, but also create games um, where you have to hit it at certain angles for it to. Um, on top of the technology, one of the big things I wanted to fix was like, like what you said, you know, you have it in your apartment, whatever putting mat, you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to name names. There's a lot of putting mats out there that like, you know, once you roll them up once or twice, the carpet gets like kinked and then it's useless and you have to throw it out. Um, and I just know that from experience. I mean, I've literally bought all of them. Mm -hmm. So that was a big problem that we wanted to fix as well. You know, not to mention that they usually roll like seven or eight on the stimp. Um, so like our carpet rolls, like it's like satin. I went through over a hundred samples, um, to get to the carpet we're using and it's actually 11 and a half on the stem. And that's one thing that, you know, if you're really working on your putting and, you know, and practicing, you want a fast green, mm. but also from each distance, we created three T's. And so with the ramp, the ramp is really there to create the ball return, right? It's just, you need gravity, but with the ramp, it's a 12 degree incline. And so from the right and left T's, it's like a left edge and a right edge putt. So from three to 11 feet, you're not just hitting that same straight putt over and over again, like on a putting mat, which like how many dead straight putts do you even have on a golf course ever? Um, but it just gives you those slightly different looks so that you're practicing and then you get statistics, you know, on your performance from those different breaks. So I think really the feedback um, on each putt is really what the technology provides, especially as you're trying to improve. Yeah, it's very interesting. I don't know how to play poker, but I know there's a lot of poker uh, strategy because you're not just throwing cards on the table. And obviously, Matt, you being a caddy, I'm sure there's a lot of strategy that goes into help helping your guy, uh, you know, hit the best shots. Uh, Jared, so maybe we can start with you. Does any of your poker strategy uh, affect how you think about uh, the business and, and, and how you tackle the category? Because I just find like, I think poker mind is fascinating. Cause you're, you're able to like, think like, you're not just thinking one move ahead. You're thinking like two or three or four potentially, like at least how I see it. Um, but yeah, as does the poker brain affect your golf brain? Certainly. I think I always say everyone should play poker for a couple of years and, and try to understand risk reward and variance and luck and the elements that go into, you know, the result. It, it forces you to be fairly process oriented, but I would say the main thing from poker and the main thing that I see just as five iron has grown is that there's a disconnect between an important decision and the idea that spending more time trying to figure out is going to get you to the right answer. So for example, when I taught poker, everyone wanted to study the very, very marginal hand where, you know, maybe you could get the 50 and a half percent sure that it's a call versus fold. And the truth is that you're much better off spending time on the low-hanging fruit and the areas of the business that you can improve quickly and just getting people to think like that, I think it's counterintuitive. I mean, I bring up the example all the time. You could have a big poker hand, whether you, if you call, maybe you make $10 million at the final table of the World Series Poker, and if you fold, you're wrong and you lose $10 million, whatever it is, just because that decision has a massive impact on the future of your life doesn't actually mean that you know, thinking about it for a year or two years, 10 years is going to get you to the right answer. So mm -hmm. in business, I feel like people will just spend too long thinking about things and trying to get to this perfect answer when in reality, it's not actually achievable. So one thing I, I like to think that I've done is just keep the company moving forward, try to make as many good decisions as you can learn from them. And that's really something that was born out of the early days of just poker and teaching it, where just getting caught up on decisions 
because they're important and have a huge impact doesn't mean that's actually the the best use of anyone's time and and can really slow down companies and startups all the time in, in my opinion interesting so when you're playing golf jared and the dream the green is drivable are you is it driver every time without a question <laughs> i guess my point is i'm not sure that decision actually matters all that much right sure if you ran the scenario a bunch of times it doesn't matter so like pick one and and do the one that's most fun in the moment and you're feeling that for for my love of golf but certainly i follow the guys on you know golf twitter talking about strokes gained and where to miss and the idea seems to be nowadays you guys would know better than than i would that hitting the driver and high variance makes sense i mean that's another just in terms of lessons for golf right just like poker the the prize money is all all the top right so really you know if you miss six cuts and you win the seventh event that's way better than making all seven cuts and doing nothing so my guess is that you should most of the top guys should be being way more aggressive and playing high variant styles of golf because all of the money is at top like in some ways you think like making a birdie is the same as making uh, a bogey in terms of plus one minus one but in reality with the prize money it's not like that at all a birdie is worth way more than a at the beginning of a tournament like if you could say for every first tournament you know you make a birdie 45 percent of the time and a bogey 55 percent of the time i guess it's like you'd actually take that variance right for again for the high level where winning the tournament has all all that upside so you know, and again, that's where golf is going anyway, but that high, high variance style where you're willing to take risks because of the way the prize pools are structured and the points and the access to the tournaments that you win. So I think that's a, a lesson from poker that the poker community certainly figured out a long time ago in these large field tournaments that is translated to golf. Interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Like, Mike, so Matt, what is your, your take from a strategy caddy perspective? Because obviously you're doing something that at least I haven't seen in a putting mat before. Uh, I don't think anyone is going to that level because you're right. It, it does feel like now that I think about it, a lot of people are just cutting out a strip of carpet. And I'm, a lot of these are going to be, I'll, I'll leave them unnamed. I, I do have a very large putting mat on my, like I have a terrace. Uh, I live in Queens and uh, I got it and the role is terrible. And now it's basically a play mat for my kid. So he he enjoys that. But basically, like you're, you're trying to like push something forward, which I think is really cool. But I'm sure there's a lot of strategy that goes into it. How, how are you thinking about the, the the at home and maybe not just putter mats, but the at home category and, and, and what the opportunity is there for you? Yeah, I mean, well, strategically, you know, uh, obviously, I mean, you know, it's funny. Peloton gets a bad rap now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cause you know, they're this tiny four and a half billion dollar company. Um, <laughs> you know, they just like, they, like literally all they did was like mismanage, you know, forecast during COVID, which is right. bad, but like the product is awesome. I mean, you know, I right. still use it. I've had it for five years. Um, you know, and I think that, yeah, I mean, like, especially in the, you know, the big cities, I mean, you know, our biggest market so far is Toronto. Um, but when you look at like the home category, um, you know, it's, it's funny because Sims, you know, I, I know a lot of people who work at a, a number of the Sim companies and it's like still blows my mind how many people are putting Sims in their house. Like I know very few people with, and also in LA, there's no basements, <laughs> but you know, just the idea of having that much space in your house and then drop in, you know, 40, 50 K or whatever, plus installation, um, you got to be pretty hardcore and you have to have, if you're married, you have to have a pretty cool, 
um, spouse that will allow you to do that. <laughs> so like, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of where, you know, for us, we really wanted to make it a much more accessible price point, you know, at, at five ninety nine, it's a lot of people, once they play it, they're like, wow, it's, you know, too cheap. And especially when you kind of level set it to the, to the simulator. So, you know, our strategy is obviously just like direct to consumer on web. Um, but also through, you know, country clubs and golf resorts, you know, my last, my last company was a mobile app company that was for a white labeled app for hotels and casinos. Um, so I'm actually going to Vegas, you know, next week, like for example, like at the win and their in their grill, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there for people, you know, or like you look at Bandon, right? Like, what do you do at night at Bandon Dunes? You know? Um, so yeah. just having these like experiences and obviously they're putting Sims everywhere that, you know, whether it's a top golf swing suite or, or whatever. Um, but like putting is, is like any, something that anybody can actually do. Um, it's, it's hard. It's not easy. Um, like I always say, like you can putt in heels. Um, so like when people are out, I think putting is a lot more accessible, um, than, you know, hitting balls, you know, that's kind of something you want to throw, throw some kind of gym clothes on and, you know, you're going to get maybe a little sweaty if you play like a full round, mm -hmm. but yeah, like our strategy is just, you know, really, um, get it out in as many places in front of as many golfers as possible. Um, but what's interesting is like even early on, like we've had a lot of non-golfing places put putters. Um, so like, you know, kind of like the Dave and Buster's type place. Interesting. Because like anyone can do it. And we've built games like, you know, we used to call it a uh, ski ball, but that's um, trademarked. So now we call it archery. But basically, like you don't have to get it near the you just have to get it near the hole and to get points. You don't have to actually make putts. Um, mm -hmm. So that's really, I think, you know, the strategy is is do the kind of entertainment sports tainment side but also like it's really built for the golfer who wants to to improve so that's that's where we're initially focused to to market and 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 get out there nice it's interesting and i was also thinking about how i mean over the next i mean we'll see specifically with the tgl like i know a lot of people don't really know and i know a little bit of it but not tons but like indoor golf simulator golf specifically has been big in asia for a while now and it's just starting to kind of like make its presence uh, just here in the States. I mean, time will tell what that experience looks like, specifically the putting. I have lots of thoughts. But from, from each of your perspectives, I'd be curious to hear at least we don't we all don't know much. We know a little bit about we know it's going to be indoor with the TGL. There's going to be some type of like stadium format. I'm assuming there's going to be Sims, right? Um, what your you know, I don't know what you guys think that experience is going to be like and maybe how you think it's going to like continue to like impact each of your businesses. I don't know who wants to go first. I'll, I'll take it. I mean, for five, I think it's going to be incredible. And in some ways it's surreal that we started simulator golf leagues or whatever you want to call it. And now they're going to be prime time on TV with, with a very similar type of format to what we do. Most people have come around at this point, but there's still a contingent of people probably listening mm -hmm. to this podcast right now or that like, oh, like I would never plan a simulator. That's not real. The truth is that if Tiger and Rory are playing on it, it's it validating that way of playing to some segment of the audience that hasn't come around yet and certainly is showing. And for the people that have come around, it's reminding them of just how awesome it could be and how much fun it is. And I tell people this all the time, like, if you're in one of our leagues and you make a putt, the team's going crazy. People are excited. It, it's the same euphoria that you would get from making a putt outside. There's no, there's no difference. I don't even like calling it indoor golf or alternative golf. I mean, to me, 
go watch a league night at five iron and, and it feels it feels like people are playing golf whatever that means so i don't see how it could be bad and sort of showing different ways to hit a golf ball and just promoting golf in general and showing it as a sport i mean i just i can't see how it would be anything but awesome for for both of our companies for sure matt what do you think you know well i think for putting i mean you know that's obviously where we're focused um i'm assuming they're gonna do like a big um like you know like the full swing um what's it called like their virtual green it's like it's like a hundred grand. Um, and, but it like, <laughs> you can change the slope, you can change the slope and, you know, and, and there's like a lot there. So I'm assuming they're going to do some kind of big custom build like that. Mm. But where we're looking at it from, which I think is actually like the, the kind of the bigger market is, is like the fan experience. Um, so, you know, you're going to be in these like giant arenas and, you know, we're even already starting to talk to stadiums about putting it in their VI, putting putters in their in VIP suites. Because, you know, you can just roll it up and roll it out. So um, the idea of like having a leaderboard during a game or a NASCAR event or an F1 event um, where everybody's playing and we're kind of tracking this leaderboard live that everybody has access to on their phone. Um, I think that's like, you know, a really exciting thing to kind of integrate the fan experience. You know, most people who go to those or you, pro- you assume are going to be, you know, golfers, at least are golfers plus one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that's really where we see a big opportunity um, with those types of leagues. But yeah, I mean, to Jared's point, like it's golf, you know, and like now the Sims, I mean, if it, anybody who says like, I won't play on a Sim, like probably hasn't played on a good Sim because like the good Sims, I mean, like a, if you play on a track, man, man, I mean, like, you know, I'm they're fitting drivers with it, like for pros, like, how can you say that that's not good enough right. for you? Like, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, you know playing on a, on a track, man. I mean, it's almost like more realistic than real life. I mean, it's so the data that you get too, on top of, um, you know, just the experience of hitting the ball is like so much more elevated than even than just going and playing outside where you get zero feedback, you know? And so that's, I think where there's a big shift and I don't know, you know, I don't, it was like a stat from 2020, I want to say. So maybe the editor can edit this out if I'm completely wrong, but I read that like in South Korea, they play like twice a year on course. Wow. But like three or four times a week average because it's just all sim play because they just don't have the grass. They don't have the, you know, you go to Seoul. It's not like there's like 50 golf courses in Seoul. There's none, you know, you got to drive like two hours to get to one. So, you know, and I think all those guys, I mean, a lot of those guys are really good players that can take it outside if they wanted to, but um, it's just like a different experience, but you're still hitting a ball. We, you know, sir, and we see it too. I mean, certainly there are the people, and I would say the majority of our customers are not, not majority, but a lot of them are. This is part of their program to be just be better golfers in general, which means outdoor golf, right? They're they're playing green grass golf, whatever you want to call it, and they're avid consumers in the industry, and they're going to be buying, you know, putting mats and sims, and they're just like in it in the whole industry as a whole but i think what surprises a lot of people are there are tons of our customers that have no interest in going to play outdoors and they're still showing up at 6 a.m and they're hitting golf balls for an hour and they're taking lessons but this is it's not a stepping stone to the outdoors like this is their version of golf right and they're plenty good on the sim they could shoot a 80 on the sim and they you know to matt's point might play outside one or two times a year like those people exist and it shocks by some of your audience, but by some people are, you know, nodding their heads like that's 
that's me. And, and I'm happy with that. They have no interest in playing a six hour round at the public course. They have no interest in, you know, just being part of that community. And they're totally happy playing on a, on a sim. For sure. It's so true. That's it too. Like time is such a big factor. I mean, when you think about, you know, when I was in DC, you know, you like get out of work on a Friday at like two, you get out early, you like bought, I bombed up New Hampshire Avenue, you know, like getting up into Maryland, get to the course. And then like, as soon as I get there, the sky opens up and it starts pouring rain and then they blow the horn and you're like, dude, you know, <laughs> no golf. Yeah. And that's worst case. But then best case is, you know, like with the hour commute and the beer after, and then like the five and a half hour public round, mm-hmm. that is like a nine hour thing, which once you have a fam, that is, I mean, good luck with that. I mean, that yeah. is just very difficult. So I love the, like, especially with five iron, the idea that you can go, first of all, at like night, <laughs> um, don't, let's not forget about like playing during the day versus at night, but like, yeah, you can go at like six or seven and play for an hour, maybe two hours. So it's like right there, it's quick, but like you can play pebble, you can play the front nine at pebble and it's way cheaper <laughs> than actually playing pebble. <laughs> But, but, you know, it's like, it's always fun. I live in Redondo now and it's so funny to me because, you know, surf, I'm not a surfer, but it's such a funny sport because, um, when my son was born, I would walk at like five 30 in the morning and there'd be all these surfers who like show up and like no waves today, you know, like <laughs> such a bummer. <laughs> yeah. They're all like sitting there drinking coffee, talking about like maybe tomorrow, you know, and there's obviously apps and weather stuff, but like what a funny sport. It's like going to the golf course. And it's like, sorry, we're closed today. You know? Um, so it's like such a, such a bummer, but I think that's, what's so cool about, you know, five iron and, and, and these types of um, businesses is like, and so that's what we're trying to do here is like, anytime you want to play golf, like you can just play like right there, you know? Um, Even if you do have the time, you know, finding people with similar skill sets or people that, you know, plays like five iron or putter and, you know, thinking about it, stadiums and things like that, it just introduces a whole, different audience that you can do that activity with, right? Because there are plenty of, you know, serious golfers, whatever, whatever that means that like, they still have friends that like, they want to play with every once in a while. And it could theoretically be fun. But, you know, it's it's not quite fun for that person that's playing once a year and whatnot, whereas a a five iron or putter and and sort of the gamification of it allows everyone to get exactly what they want out of that experience. And to me, that's more fun. That's that's what's why it's great for the golf industry. It's, it's people having more fun playing golf, for sure. And I think the com- the combination of activities for, is for me is always uh, really promising. Like I am a big fan of, especially you you do this as you as you have a family and kids and stuff. But the idea of multitasking, I can like if I can hit in a sim and maybe watch a little TV because I passively watch all of my TV anyways and like check both those boxes, like that's, that's, that's a win-win. And I think, yeah, that notion of time because it goes and like you don't have six hours a day to go out and, and, and hit golf balls. So it, yeah, it's cool to be able to still have that experience. Uh, quick tangent to gear. We're going to specifically start with, because I have to know, Matt, what is your, what is your putter of choice? We're going to start there. And then I want to hear the full bag, the bag breakdown for each of you guys. Yeah. So, well, my gamer now is, so we, we, um, one of our first customers was LA golf and we installed, um, some putters there for, um, they do putter fittings and they released this, uh, they, you know, they bought sick, um, the, the descending face technology 
And so they had, they came out with a putter, which is an all carbon putter with a sick face and an LA golf shaft. Um, and so by the way, I have no affiliate. I mean, they're a customer, but we have no affiliation. I'm not (laughs) sure that's my gamer right now. And it is insane. And you know, one of the big differences besides the face and the sweet spot is the shaft. Um, and a lot of people, I think forever have never thought about putter shafts. Um, but the way, uh, you know, read the CEO of LA golf explains it like outside and you really feel it. Um, but like outside of 20 feet, um, you know, a putter, like you ever, you know, when you like, kind of like juice a putt, you know, you kind of like hit one and it kind of just like flies off the face. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that has to do with vibration in the shaft. Um, and so when you get like an ultra stiff shaft, the consistency of off the putter face is incredible. Um, and so it takes a little getting used to because you start leaving putts short from outside of 15 feet because it's so consistent and you don't like jack them. Um, but that's my gamer right now is the LA golf all carbon. And it's the big boy. It's the original one. I think they're selling them for 2,500 now. Ooh. I know, but I've always been a Scotty guy. I had the Newport two pro platinum for my whole life. Tiger sure. setup. Then as I got older and played less, I went to the JT setup. So the Futura five, five, the mallet style. Cause I just mm-hmm. like that inside 10 feet, the, the line. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Now my gamers, the LA golf and it's money. Nice. I like it. Let's move up the bag. Well, first, so Jared, what's your putter? But as a two long putter, I'm very loyal to the Callaway family of products as they're an investor in five <laughs> So my, my whole bag is very Callaway, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, two long putter got fit out there in California. It was a pretty cool experience at, at Callaway's headquarters. I play the San Diego, um, so yeah, that's that's what's in the bag. Oh, the San Diego. Hold on. Oh, that's the blade. You're a blade guy. Have you always been a blade putter guy? Have you ever been mallet at any time? I've always been a blade putter guy in the sense I'm a very aesthetic uh, in terms of what I'm picking out, and I just like the look of it better. So I've always been a, a bit of a blade guy. I don't know if I'm anything, you know, too too pounding the table in terms of my golf golf clubs, but I would say I guess yeah. if I am anything, it's a it's a blade guy. Nice. Yeah. I mean, there is, they're beautiful. That's nice. Yeah. I'm looking at it now, the San Diego and it's just all black, right? Or is it, is it silver? Oh, they have both models. Yeah. That is a pretty putter. Yeah. I I could not putt with this. I would pull every putt left. So, so hard and so fast. It looks good though. Is it weighted or no? I have no idea. You would look good doing it. That's, that's really my key to my entire golf experience. So, <laughs> I, I can't say I don't pull every putt, but I know I, I so far so good. Okay. Let's we'll, we'll do the, the, we'll bounce back and forth with the bag. Let's go wedges. So Jared wedges, what, what's your wedge setup? Degrees first, then, then, uh, and these are tough golf questions for, for, uh, for not a golf guy. The, I use a 54, uh, 56 and then 60 wedges. And I'm using the Jaws Raw yep. brand here. Nice. The Raws, uh, hold on. Jaws Raw. I'm doing Googling right now. Black or chrome? What are we rocking? All, all black. I, I choose black when I can. Okay, we're seeing a system here. So, yeah. All, I'll, I'm gonna, it's going to be interesting when we move it back. So I want to see if you have all black irons. Because I do know there are the all black Apexes. Do you have those, by the way? Or do you have the Apex black? I, I don't have them yet. I'm going to get the new the everyone's raving about the new paradigm everything so hopefully yeah yeah i'm gonna get on get on the paradigm bandwagon here maybe i'll i'll start winning some tournaments like for for sure you have to ask them to make you a black one maybe they can just make a one-off for you like just make an all black one that'd be sick 
I will ask. I'm sure. I'm sure that they have loads of time to make me a, a customer. <laughs> it's like, can you guys shut down the factory and, and spray one black for me, please, while you're at it? Okay, Matt, wedges, please. What are we rocking? Yeah, Voki Raw 6054. Okay. And then irons? AP2s all the way up to three. Nice. Okay. There we go. You guys are nuts. Blades, blade putters, blade irons. I can't keep up with you guys. If Matt didn't mention his handicap, it's very obvious which one of us is the <laughs> He knows uh, the letters and the numbers uh, very well. So, right. I will remind me never, I'm not ever going to get into a gambling match of any kind with Matt. It just seems like a very bad idea. I would need many. Jared's a pro poker player over here. I'm terrible yeah, at poker. Yeah, I'm so smart I... enough to know not to get into a game with Matt. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, I'm just not taking the bet. He's like, I'll... Be part of uh, poker. Not Don't play against people that are better than you. It was a, it was a decent philosophy. Yeah. Let's pause and come back to the woods and the driver. But wait, are you... Uh, Jared, do you play games? Do you gamble at all on the course or no? I'm not a gambling guy. It stresses me out. I can't do it. I don't need it. I... I understand why people do it. I personally find enough uh, stress and that gaming type feeling in my day job of running five iron. <laughs> I get enough out of my my day to day experience that when I'm out there playing, I truly just like to be outside, walk around with my friends, enjoy it, compete against myself. But I'm, I'll always say yes and play whatever game you want. I'm just like, tell me how much money I owe you after the round, kind of guy. <laughs> Yeah, I'll Venmo you now, right? <laughs> but I'm not. I'll, I'll never be the one to sort of say, "Hey, guys, let's play a game today." But totally understand my for sure. Yeah, yeah I'm the I opposite. I'm the yeah. Oh, okay. What are we? What are we playing? I mean, you know, it's just it's always for something. But it's like, right. you know, my my like Saturday morning game. It's a five dollar NASA. You know, like so you're gonna the most you're gonna lose is fifteen bucks, right? But you know, I'm from New Hampshire, so like New England is like you know, gambling degenerate city. So like <laughs> we play like Sandys and automatic presses and birdies. And like, by the time the, the scorecard looks like a Picasso by the end, it's like, there's got like 50 marks on it. You can't tell what any of it means. Matt, that, this is why you're supposed to be using the, what the fair game app is Andrews. It's where you plug the app and you know, yeah, this is, this is where I plug the app. Right. It's so funny. I, like right before I started working at Fair Game, and this is a real story, guys. This is not hashtag sponsored. Right before I started working at Fair Game, I was playing with some friends and we were playing and we were all at different levels. And I had never, and I got into golf in my 20s and I never really played games and all that stuff. And I learned about this like weird dotting system. Like I guess guys, when they're giving strokes and stuff, you write these dots on the scorecard and it looks chaotic. It's, I can't read it. Like guys are scribbling things down with pencils. But yeah, so we're trying to make that easier. So definitely use the fair game apps for all of your gambling needs. We've got you covered. <laughs> but yeah, that's um interesting. Okay, let's get back to we're at woods. Woods or hybrids? What do we got? Uh, so, Matt, go for it and I'll try to say something. Well, so so again, I've always been like when I played at GW, we were sponsored by Titleist. And you know, so like I've always been a Titleist guy, but I got a good Callaway plug here. So my five wood is tight a uh, Titleist. Five wood. Um, I've had it for years. I don't even remember what it is. My three wood, though, is a Callaway Steelhead three, Ooh. which was like right after Big Bertha's. Like, I think it's 25. It's like on Antiques Roadshow now. It's like 25 years <laughs> old. But like, 
and steel shaft, but I just like murder it and like, and I just hit it, you know, like a nice 260 with a little draw, like every time, like automatic. I'm just so comfortable with it. So I've never even fitted for a new three wood because it's like, you know, why you don't, why not? it's not bro- broke, don't fix it. For sure. And then my driver, I just got a new driver, uh, which is, and shout out to Evan Chun, who's the uh, industrial designer at Titleist. Who actually, this is his driver design, but it's the new, uh, the TSR, the new uh, Titleist with right. an LA golf shaft. Interesting. Very cool. I might have to send you some cowboy clubs, Matt, just to you know, <laughs> try them out. The, uh, I'll be playing the paradigm driver and, and that, that whole suite of products there. I need to, I need to get fit for the season, but um yeah certainly the paradigm driver seems to be seems to be where it's all at these days nice i need to hit that thing by the way uh i because i have the rogue five wood in my bag and i love that thing it's just a great club and i had the epic driver before that i do have the stealth now but we're not friends at the moment so i'm i'm on the market for another driver potentially you know sometimes you have to like take a break from your clubs like things aren't working and you know, go see some, go see a counselor, like talk it out and everything. So yeah, that's where I am. Interesting setups. I, I like what you guys have. Um, and then Jared, are you, oh, balls? Yeah. What do you guys, me, me, I don't, I kind of bounce around. Here's my thing about balls, right? And this is going to get very weird. I, my game is not at the level of skill where I am that like specific about my ball. I tend to use a, you know, either a, a Pro V1X or a TP5X, or after I spray a few in the woods, like whatever's at the bottom of my bag. Um, so I, I kind of bounce around, but it is probably one of the things that I should at least think about. I know I've taken a couple lessons in the, in the past. I'm actually going to be seeing one of your newer teachers soon, Jared, uh, Liz, who is the best. Um, I had coffee with her this morning. She's a homie. Um, but, um, she had given me some interesting insights about ball spin, which I had never considered. Um, so I'm actually going to nerd out about that a whole bunch this year too. But yeah, I've, I bounce around a bit. What are you guys playing? I, I am similar in the sense that I find balls in the woods, but, um, again, I'm playing the Chrome soft, uh, what is it? The X and, you know, to be honest, you know, the I don't think my skill level is there where it's making a massive difference. I mean, probably Callaway would tell you that it's uh, for every level of golfer, the, the right ball matters. And, and truthfully, I would say where club fitting and golf instruction has done a really good job of educating the consumer, I personally think that there's a long way to go in terms of like which ball is right for you and the metrics you should be looking at. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're collecting all of this data from track man and and pulling it into our own app eventually it should be very easy to say like hey your spin rates are around here you know this is our recommendation for the ball or have you considered playing this type of ball i have no doubt that we have the data on the customers to help them make that decision it's just not something that you know we've necessarily done a great job of and it's but but i do think it's important even if even if it's a small difference depending on your level the idea of that confidence of like, this is the ball for me. There, there's something to that, I think. Right. For sure. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. Cause you talk about just overall statistics and just probability. Yeah. If you can reduce your margin of error by that, even if it's 3%, 2%, like that's a lot. Yeah. I like the numbers. Matt, what do you got? I'm a yellow pro V1 guy. He's a yellow guy. Interesting. 
there's something about the yellow ball. I don't know what it is, but the pro V yellow ball is like such a durable cover. It just doesn't get like, you can hit a cart path with it and it's just ding free (laughs) white version of the ball. You know, they get those little nicks in it. It just kind of annoy you, but, um, but yeah, I'm always pro V one. I'll never play another ball. Um, well, I don't want to say never, but I've never played another ball, only pro V ones. And, uh, and I really like the yellow. It's also fun because, you know, in public golf in LA, there's a lot of balls around. Um, so it's yeah. always good to be yellow because like you can immediately identify which one's yours, right. uh, even in the other fairway. Um, <laughs> Wait, is the pro V, is it a matte ball or is it, uh, like kind of like that glossy painty finish? Yeah. It's almost like glossy. Interesting. It's like a disco ball. It's amazing. Right. I feel like I've never played with a yellow ball. I might have to give that a try just so I can find my ball when I'm in the left fairway. Sorry. My bad. Hey, Rory Sabatini, Fred Couples, Bubba used to, and I think that's it. But <laughs> those are the yellow ball guys. <laughs> For sure. All right. One last question. So uh, just we're getting into kind of like peak golf season, which is very exciting. Can you guys give each of uh, each of you give me a little uh, insight into maybe what are the next like, I don't know, six months look like for you guys? Some some plans, some top secret stuff that you can maybe share with us? Yeah, I mean, for us, we have eight new locations coming over the course of the year, which is pretty exciting. Upper East Side, it's opening in a couple of weeks, which is good. But Cleveland, Cincinnati, Atlanta, Indianapolis are a bunch of new cities that are coming. Boston just opened. So nice. for us, it's kind of keep keep doing the same thing. We're working on building some content, which I'm excited to to launch Five Iron Studios, where we're actually producing some content and whatnot. But really, just building locations, trying to improve the product, make people happy is uh, what we do. Nice, cool. Wait, one other question: Who does all the mural art? Is it one person or is it a team of people? It, it's different people. We try to use a combination of local artists and then some of the most famous artists in the entire world. So it's like the the, the nice thing about Boston, if, if people have seen pictures, actually got a Boston Globe cover cover story on the art in Boston, which was pretty cool. Cool. Blind Fox, shout out to her. But the, yeah, typically it's some combination of a local artist and then maybe someone who's more famous and internationally known. Nice. Awesome. Good stuff. Matt, take us out. What's what's happening between now and now, now and July 1st? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're a lot newer than, um, five iron. So, you know, for us, it's, um, we're just starting to land product, which has been incredible. Cause you know, last year we got hit with a chip shortage and then we got hit, you know, we're making them in Shanghai. So we got hit with, uh, COVID at the end of last year, we're basically like all the manufacturing shut down. So now it's good to be like, you know, <laughs> alive and, and, and well, and, and landing actual units and getting actual customers. So, you know, for us, um, yeah, we're just rolling out. We just, signed we're signing a bunch of um really exclusive golf clubs um one is manchester country club where i grew up caddying in new hampshire which is a donald ross course and it's part of troon Prive. um and then we we're putting one down at calusa pines down in naples but we're really going after like the high-end um golf pro shop and the other thing that we're working on right now is integration to the simulators uh companies you know because um and no, no knock to five iron or to sims but i think the putting can be better Um, and I don't love putting into a screen. I like putting into a hole. And so I think there's a really cool unlock there where once you get to like 11 feet and in, you're actually putting on a hole and our technology integrates to the, to the SIM technology. So it's, you know, keeping your score. Um, and I think it kind of rounds out the game, 
um, you know, and, and really gives you, I mean, the putter is actually the most hit uh, club in your bag, 42% of golf shots. Um, so I know all the putting stats. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what we're working on, you know, is just, is just getting out there. We have some cool announcements coming up. Um, we're actually the powering the, um, the putting challenge at upper deck, uh, uh, golf league, which I don't know if you're familiar with, that's where they take over baseball stadiums and you hit like, yeah. um, so yeah, so we're doing the, the putting challenge there, which is fun. I think they got 10 cities lined up for this year. So we'll be sending out some stuff on that to our newsletter and on our website and our socials. But, uh, other than that, just, you know, plugging away and making the app better, getting feedback from our customers and continuing to push updates, uh, new games and, uh, new training methodologies, new things like that. So it's a lot of fun and it's exciting, exciting time for golf. Yeah. Very exciting time. Yeah. And let's just get more people hitting more golf balls. That's all that matters. At my last company, you know, there's all these different KPIs that you follow. And obviously it's like top line revenue is, was one of the big KPIs. We have one KPI and that is putts. <laughs> everything rolls up to that. Right. So right. all adoption, all the activation, all the marketing, everything is rolling up to that. So, um, so that's really, uh, a fun thing to have as a KPI, let's say as a, as a golfer <laughs> for sure. Awesome guys. Well, that's it. Thanks for being on the pod. Thanks for listening to this episode of the fair game podcast. If you haven't already, you can hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever service you may be using. We've also launched the Fair Game app, golf's first digital clubhouse, the place to play your game and connect with golfers across the country. You can find it in the App Store or on Google Play. You can also find us on Instagram at Fair Game Golf and check out some of our original videos on our YouTube page. You can find all these links in the podcast episode details. We'll see you next time.